Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is on monsters as PCs. This is part of our race overview series. We're going over all the possible player races. We've just finished going over all 56 available player races from the hardcover books. But that's actually not the totality of what you can play. I know what you're thinking. Only 56? What am I supposed to do with this? My options are so limited. <laughs> well, Christian, you consider that until recently the Rougarou didn't even exist. All right, so there's plenty of space. All right, yeah. open. <laughs> A lot of design space untouched. There has been, at the time of this recording, six published bestiaries. And as you can imagine, when players are going through the bestiaries, they go, wow, this is really cool. I really like this beast or this monster. I want to play as him. So Pathfinder has released a small set of rules to allow you to play as monsters, the, the creatures you would find in a bestiary as your player race. Using one of the monsters in the bestiaries uh, can be sort of challenging to balance out. You're not dealing with creatures that are just like, oh, well, this is a level four barbarian. Uh, the vast majority of the time, they are... CR something with no levels in any class, just have their own specific set of rules. So you have to figure out a way how to get this to continue to level up and to balance out with the rest of your players. So there are a number of the monsters in the Beast series that do not possess racial hit die, which is pretty much just the ones we covered as the playable races. The Rougarou, you know, the, the Caligny, all that stuff. These are things that are very, very easy to make as PC races. But, you know, actually, before we move on, Christian, why don't you tell us what a hit dice is? You'll actually hear that terminology a lot. Explain it to us. Hit dice is just the uh, representation of how much health you get every level, how many hit points you get every level. Uh, many beasts, many creatures in the bestiary just have a default number of hit dice without taking any classes. So if you were a level zero human, you actually wouldn't have any hit dice and you'd wither and die. You need some sort of class to get health. Uh, whereas something like a, a bugbear, for instance, it has racial hit dice just by being a bugbear. It starts with, say, like 2d8 or something like that. And then any class they get on top of that is just added to that. So when we went over the bestiary playable races, we would occasionally say, wow, this feels really powerful. I can't imagine letting my players use this. So they actually addressed that a little bit here, saying that a few of these races are so powerful that they count as having one class level, even though they don't have a racial hit die. And such characters should only be allowed in a group that is second level or higher. So I guess I never really considered that when we were going over it. Uh, let me think, what was one of the ones we thought was powerful? The Like, for example, the Munavri. I think we thought they were pretty strong. You would only be allowed to play a Munavri if you started at second level. Like, you're level one Munavri and the rest of the group is level two. Because a level one Munavri is basically almost the strength of a level three character. But I think that has got to fall off as we go on and we'll actually hear a little bit about that sort of thing when it comes to monsters but they don't really address it for these races that uh start out as level two and what i would say is something uh i would think that's a difficult thing because you can't just have like okay well once you reach level eight just boost them up to the rest give them an extra level to match with the rest of the group because they still could have like a plus six racial modifier to their ability scores and no negatives or something it's it's a difficult thing to sort of fix and which is what you're going to sort of be the theme of this episode is this is not easy thing to do. You'll actually probably find that most GMs won't allow this. 
it's really delicate balancing act in that you need the race to not be too strong, to be balanced enough that it doesn't feel bad for the other players that this person's playing this race, they get this powerful ability, and it, it feels bad that I'm so weak, versus the other scale of it where like you just allow someone to skin something and they're not actually getting the mechanical benefit that represents them being that race. Like, yeah, you can reskin a human to be whatever you want. You can let someone be a human and be like, ah, but you can describe it as being whatever you want. But if you're not actually getting the abilities of these monstrous beings, it doesn't feel as authentic. Definitely. I mean, let's take the classic example, the Minotaur, which will sort of follow out throughout this episode. You, you just feel like, well, I don't have a gore attack. I mean, isn't that sort of what I need as a Minotaur? But I can't just skin that into the human. But as, as complicated as things are get, let's talk about the simplest version of this, and that's when everybody is a monster. That sort of makes it easy. You just look up the CR, and you pick one. So say your GM's like, I want you all to make, you know, CR6 characters. All right, so you go in the B-share, you just look for what's CR6, and that's what you pick. And you treat the monster CR as its total class levels, and you allow the characters to multi-class into the core classes as they sort of, like, level up. It's an interesting approach. If you're going into a campaign where everyone's monsters, I feel like you already don't care about balance mm -hmm. in in that regard. Because um, there's definitely still space here for some PCs to be more powerful than others. People often like to talk about, I don't think this monster was was given the right CR. I think a famous one for at least... <laughs> Gibbering mouther. <laughs> Christian, what are you talking about? Uh, so yeah, that can be a problem. But I think you're already going to be talking closely with your GM here. So hopefully you can help sort of wrangle that. And it sounds like you really, like you were talking about, you need that sort of buy-in from all your players because, hey, we're, we are going to be playing a game where it's a little bit little bit looser with balance. So let's, let's sort of figure this out together so we can have a fun game. And this is this is where you get the interesting thing. Well, okay, I'm a CR6 monster. It feels almost like a downgrade when you get, you know, your first level in fighter. And it's like, okay, like I'm getting nothing. Maybe not your first level because you get all the, like some class abilities on certain classes. But then you get your second level and you're like, oh, okay, I guess big whoop. I mean, I, I feel I'm not progressing as fast. But with everyone as monsters, it's it's just like you're just boosting where you're starting at. You're all starting as level one characters, but you get these cool sort of CR6, level six boosts at the start. And that's kind of fun. And it, and it makes it pretty easy to deal with because you're all doing that. You're all as monsters doing that. So now let's get into, let's delve when it gets a little bit more difficult. And that's where only some of the group is monsters. If you're including a single monster character in a group of standard characters... You make sure that the group is of a level that is at least as high as the monster's CR. So for example, in a group of six level characters, a Minotaur who's CR4 would possess two levels of a core class. And that would sort of round him off to what the rest of the players are. Now this is what we were talking about earlier. As you level up in a mixed group like this, the value of racial hit die and abilities diminish. For every three levels... That the group gains, the monster should gain an extra level, received halfway between second and third levels. You do this a number of times equal to half the monster's CR, rounded down as always, I guess. So, for the Minotaur example, when the group is at a point between 6th and 7th level, the Minotaur gains a level, and then again at 7th, making him a Minotaur, say, Barbarian 4. And this will repeat at 10th level, making him a Minotaur Barbarian 8, when the group reaches 10th level. And then from then on, he's just getting levels normally. This is sort of trying to balance out your your leveling up. So it's not just like a big jump. Like once I reach level 10, then I get these extra levels. It feels like a too big of a jump. You're trying to sort of intersperse it. So at no point do you feel more powerful than everyone else or less powerful. And this is really something you have to play by ear and not take this as like set in stone. Because if you, the example given is a Minotaur Barbarian. 
Well, a barbarian's abilities fit very naturally in a minotaur's abilities, and it's a very powerful combination. Whereas if the group was level six and it was a minotaur with two levels of wizard, suddenly much less powerful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and should probably have a couple more levels to try and keep up with everyone else. Right. And and that's that's where it gets difficult because I kind of want to say, well, then don't pick a minotaur, dummy. But it's like... Is that not valid, Caleb? Can yeah, I, I mean, can I not be my smart Minotaur wizard character I've always wanted to play deep down? <laughs> exactly. That's fine. And then even when you look at spellcasting uh, beasts, they don't have levels in a spellcasting class. So it's not even like that's going to work off well. I mean, look at it. The horns were designed to hold a wizard hat right between them. That's not <laughs> right, for Christian, a gore you know, attack. Fine, that's fine a Christian, you can be the Minotaur wizard you've always wanted to be. All right, fine. In my game, you can be him. It's a re-recording season two of Trailblazers. All right, we're letting your character be a Minotaur. Um, and there's even a note, like Paizo says in the book, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote this one for you. GMs should carefully consider any monster PCs in their groups. Some creatures are simply not suitable for play as PCs due to their powers or roles in the game. As monster characters progress, GMs should closely monitor whether such characters are disruptive or abusive to the rules and modify them as needed to improve play. End the quote. So, like, you, you just got to have the – you're always having your hand in here. The GM's always having his hand in there. You got to be working together to make sure that they're still staying, staying fun for everybody. Yeah, and you're really going to have to get the opinions of those who aren't playing the monstrous PC to see how they're feeling about it. Because probably no matter what, the person that's playing the monstrous PC is probably having a good time. They're getting to do what they want to. It's really the other players you're worried about, and they don't feel like they're being overshadowed. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't want to go too far saying that, because you could still have the, oh man, I thought it'd be really cool to be this Minotaur, but then, oh man, I feel like I'm really bad because I chose Wizard. I got like nothing. <laughs> you <laughs> made your bed and you will rest in it. Yeah. So uh, I, I wanted to add a section here at the end where we sort of talked about monsters that we'd consider playing. And then I realized as I was making the list, um, this is pretty much just rehashing the Beast Jerry episodes we've done or will be doing, uh, the Beast Jerry reviews. So I kind of actually want to back off on that. But I do want to talk about a couple uh, that might that might illustrate something that I want to talk about. So the first one I want to talk about is The Worm That Walks. It's a really cool guy that we'll talk about in Beast Jerry 2. He's, he's made of worms. He's a powerful caster, and I love him, and I and I want to play as him. He's a, he's a sort of a high CR, which means obviously I can't play him in a level one campaign. But what he has is something that a lot of what I think maybe 50% of what players would be like, I want to be this, is he has a template, which you can add on to pretty much any, any – um, character that meets its prerequisites each template has its own prerequisites um to give you an example uh like lycanthropes a lot of people want to be lycanthropes that's a template later on that's also a corruption uh but let's just focus sort of on template here so the i do want to be a worm that walks well i sort of talk to my gm and we see if i match the 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 requirements for template and if if he approves yeah you can be that worm that walks i think that's fine i add it now you're you're sort of you're you're off the beaten path with templates. There's not the same sort of rules that you have here for monsters PCs. Uh, a level five character with a template is is unless it's a very negative template is almost always more powerful than a level five character without one. You have to be careful. And this is this is really like you're 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 off the charted waters. There's no rules. This is all your GM and you working together. A worm that walks is a very powerful template. I'm a level five wizard and I have worm that walks. I'm guessing my my players are at least level like I don't know seven, eight, or, or maybe even nine. It's a very powerful template. And when I was making my list, I kept coming across things. I'm like, oh, but there's a template here. Oh, but there's a template here. 
Now, if we really want to mix something up, I always wanted to sort of be a Medusa. I really thought that was cool. It wasn't even for the, you know, the stone gaze part uh, as like sort of a power gamer move. I like to use it maybe out of combat in, in role playing things, not so much in combat as much as that would be a problem. But I was like, you know, I wanted to move it one more step forward. I wanted to add like a skeleton template or skeleton champ champion template. Now we're we're freaking in the weeds now. A monster and a template? Caleb, what are you doing? You're trying to run the game now. (laughs) Don't read this. It's Medusa gas. Speaking about uncharted waters, we must have been to primordial territory to dig up that old meme. (laughs) Hey, they're still going strong. Are they? Didn't we get a... Wait, are there new episodes of Will It Blend? I don't know. I don't follow it religiously. If there is, I know what the rest of my night's gonna be. (laughs) Didn't we have a race that was, like, Medusa-esque or, like, half Medusa? No, you're thinking about in the Beast Cherry 1 episode when I talked about the Medusa and they gave a lot of reasoning for them to be sort of player classes. And so then there's also, like, the ones that I think a lot of people will be like, I want to be one of the demons. I always thought of the Cacodamon, uh, or I want to be one of the angels, or those sort of, like, big categories. One of the golems. I love the alchemical golem, which is kind of very similar to, I think that would work well with um, sort of the alchemist. Uh, for obvious reasons, and like, oh, I want to be the blood golem. There's things like that. And there's like some classics in there, like, I want to be a Lamia, so I'll pick the Lamia matriarch, things like that. I think the Minotaur really fits in that well. But in my humble opinion, the lower the CR, the easier this will be to make a monster race. I think the Minotaur is a great example because it's so low in CR. Once you reach a certain level, like, you, you don't have to get those bonus levels anymore. You're leveling up with the party. But even with the CR4 thing, it took till level 10 before we were all sort of on the same page. That's, you know, now when you're reaching CR, CR8, t- 10 creatures, it's going to take forever. You might not even, there might not even be a level. There might not get to 20, like, to, to even balance it out at that point. There's other classics like the Null. Things like these are classics that I think everybody's going to want to be. So... At the risk of ruining our bestiary episodes and ruining our next episode, our race wish list, uh, why don't we talk about one, maybe two races that you you consider being a monster? Well, I think something that I thought of when I'm thinking of monstrous races is that all the races we really named off so far are very humanoid, and we always think of parties as being a group of humanoids, and I think that's somewhat restrictive to storytelling because sometimes people want to be like. A floating spirit animal companion sort of thing, or maybe something that is more bestial in nature. Um, so mm. I just picked out a couple here that are like non-humanoids that I think would be interesting to play. Uh, like blink dogs. Blink dogs for some reason are lawful good. I forget why, but they're just <laughs> intelligent dogs that can blink around. Um, fairy dragons. It's not, it's not typical to see that happen in Pathfinder. Someone play as like something animal-esque or basically non-humanoid. And I think mm-hmm. that letting monstrous races do that, they're, and typically letting them be kind of underpowered, could be an interesting design space not really touched on a lot. Yeah, I think it's a problem sort of with Pathfinder that really high fantasy isn't very facilitated when it comes to PC race choices. We went through over all the PCs. Christian, was there a single race that wasn't bipedal? No. Exactly. Just to your point there, I, I really resonate with that. I think as if you want if you're in a high fantasy campaign and you want to be some sort of like unique magical creature, your only option is to pick a beast. As all aw- as awesome as the Rougarou is, it just it's not a blink dog. <laughs> no, nothing can stop a blink dog from getting pets. It will phase through walls. It will move through reality. <laughs> it will find you. It will get those scratches. I want to talk about the the soulbound mannequin. Uh, 
the soulbound mannequin is is um, a person that is their essence, their soul was put into a mannequin, and I really loved it because it, it, it had some some clever flavor text behind it. How like their their voice are fairly monotone, so they and they have a blank face, so they carry these masks to show their emotion. So when I'm talking to you, Christian, and being sarcastic, no longer do I have to write kappa at the end of my thought. I can just pop on that mask. <laughs> Uh, and, and on the same vein is in the same bestiary, bestiary four, is the phantom armor. I mean, who who that has seen Full Metal Alchemist hasn't considered playing, you know, a, a sort of a, an armor that's been given life. I put two more on my list that kind of fit in a different category. It's kind of like it's something that can actually happen that PCs can end up playing this monster naturally, and those are like monsters that replace the PCs' bodies. Um, these are things like ghosts that might possess it. the PC, um, monsters that eat them and become them, uh, things like that. Um, bringing back one of my old favorites, the Brain Boys, a.k.a. the Dynamic Christian! <laughs> a.k.a. the Intellect Devourers, is a creature that's like a small brain that could burrow into someone's skull and basically take over them, mm-hmm. um, rather than being a victim like, you know, you had a character that was a victim of this, and then you might, you know, naturally become this as the course of the game and secretly be this. You could start off the game as someone that was taken over by an intellect devourer, or maybe someone that's been replaced by a creature such as a faceless stalker, where mm-hmm. you aesthetically appear as a normal PC, but you actually have some monstrous abilities. The shred skin, uh, I, f- I forget the name of the thing that is pretty much ahead with uh, some, like, uh, in, in organs that hang down below that you pop into people's necks. The horseless uh, headsman? <laughs> a changeling. And I, I even want to say there's something that can, like, swap... I don't remember the name of it. There's something that can basically swap souls with you and still retains a lot of its abilities. So that's how to play monsters uh, as your PC race. It takes a lot of, you know, um, cooperation with the GM and the player, uh, but certainly possible, and... And I think as sloppy as the rules are at points, I'm glad they're here because if you want to be playing a high fantasy campaign where you're you're playing a, a sort of non-bipedal, sort of magical, fantastical creature, I'm glad this is available for you. And when they don't come out with different races, like, say, the Minotaur that a lot of people want, you have this opportunity to, to do it still. So we've got one last episode on the docket for the race overview series, and that's our PC race wish list. We're going to talk about races we wish would come out, uh, maybe what we want to see a little bit in an advanced race guide too. Talk about that. And I'm really interested to hear uh, what Christian has to say, not only because that is a great way to sort of lead into the next episode as a host, but also because he hasn't done the show notes, so I literally don't know what he's going to do, <laughs> even though I told him to do it a little while ago. He almost didn't make it for this recording because he doesn't... Oh, look at the time. We got to go. All right. Well, guys, thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. I feel no shame. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great RPG podcasts, visit our website, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? Email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. This is Johan Martins. Thanks for listening. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just getting ready to carve the turkey and enjoy ourselves a nice Thanksgiving dinner. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they gotta be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? 
Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can find Trailblazers on iTunes. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, get yourself a slice of turkey, pass the mashed potatoes, grab some dice, and join us. You know what, Christian? This year, I'm thankful for you. What are you thankful for? I'm thankful that this ad is finally over. Yeah, everyone else probably is too. Hey, Jacob, you want to play some D&D tonight? I can't. Uh, I have to go make love to my wife tonight. Oh, well, um, uh, next time I'll, uh... You know, I don't even know if I love her anymore. I don't really know her. Like... What am I gonna do? Someone should tell Jacob that people change and it takes effort to stay connected with someone. But in the meantime, the fellows at Tales from the Lich always stay connected through gaming and friendship. When you can't play, listen. TalesFromTheLich.com Hey, uh, ha- happy Valentine's Day.